Welcome back to the Alexa Moore podcast. If you have not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, liked our Facebook page, liked us on Instagram or Twitter, please take a moment to do so now. So tonight, Alex and I have with us Dr. Remy Onafade, or better known as Remy, uh, co-founder of the National Association of Black Physical Therapists, joining us on the hot seat tonight. Welcome, Remy. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. I'm well, glad to be here after a long day. <laughs> yeah, awesome. we've been out long days, too. <laughs> yeah, after a long day. I know you all have. You had to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Really appreciate you taking time to be with us uh, tonight. Uh, looking forward to hear uh, about your story and, and how, you know, we got, we got to uh, founding the NABPT, which um, has been a program that is, is leading the charge and trying to change uh, some of the, the aspects of in physical therapy. So yeah, we, we've got a lot of good stuff to cover today. Um, and as Mo said, for everybody, thank you for always joining in. Uh, subscribe, like, comment, uh, just keep supporting us so that we can keep putting out um, some good content for you guys. Uh, so, so Remy, how how did you decide that this was something that you wanted to do? Uh, in regards to NABPT? Uh, both NABPT, becoming a PT. You know, a, a lot of times, you know, even as recent as last week, we had Adam on and, you know, he kind of decided that the pelvis uh, specialty was something he wanted to do because of an experience he had. Mm -hmm. uh is you becoming a pt and then subsequently founding nabpt part of experience something that you experienced or didn't experience well in, in regards to becoming a, a physio pt um no it was just one of those those professions in healthcare that i thought i could do um and it fit my personality uh, just coming from the background that I come from, um, as in Nigerian um, and Kenyan. Uh, it, it, honestly, in a Nigerian household, especially led by by my father, um, it's kind of, you know, you, you pick those three things that people are used to as far as like having the independence here in the, in the States, you know. Um, even though I'm not first generation, I would still be presented as first generation. Um, but it was either lawyer, engineer, doctor. Um, I have three older siblings. One is a medical doctor. Um, the other one's a pharmacist. And once she pivoted, I learned, okay, maybe I can get into healthcare, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the medical doctor. <laughs> so, so from that pivot, it even went even even more to to a un you know uncharted ter territory with my brother being in uh, psychology. So he's a community psychologist, PhD though. Um, so I was like, okay, the doctorate thing is a, is a trend. I can stick to that. Um, and, and basically uh, while in high school, um, one of my friends got hurt. Um, he talked about going into to PT and it was just one of those things. I was like, "Well, I'm already a student athletic trainer. Let me look at what you know, physios, what PT, what what PTs do." And from there, I noticed that you know, as far as like my nine to five, that that life uh, balance, work life balance situation, or work life balance or harmony for 
for for now what i'm trying to trying to get into um it was just a better fit for me and i do love people love talking to people um love fixing things with my hands if not necessarily just with my brain in, in regards to how how we communicate in that interaction with patients so i just picked pt um but why i decided to get my neuro residency why i decided to go neuro um it's honestly again with research um seeing what's going on in the black community seeing how um if there are continuous food deserts if there are you know lack of resources what are those what are those injuries or disorders or deficits that are pretty much harm us a lot more than others um and i noticed it was more of stroke high blood pressure cardiac disease even even pelvic floor uh, with black maternal uh mortality but not necessarily going into black maternal health so i was like okay let me stick to that neuroscience and of course they're not necessarily a lot of places or resource or hospital systems or clinics that are out in our areas because we are in, in all types of deserts, right? Um, and PT was one of them. Um, so I decided to go that neural route. One, it would put me in, a, in an advantage being in the outpatient type scenario um, because there are not a lot of neurospecialists are in that area or neuro trained in that area. Um, and then, of course, I can still treat the concussion, the vestibular stuff while doing residency and whatnot. So it was, it was a thought process of, okay, I don't necessarily want to be in the hospital system. I do want to set myself apart in regards to what I can give to my community. And then from there, um, how can I take that advance set to change people's minds to not think they only have to practice PT or physio in, in the hospital system and it be pertain to neuro, you can do both things. You can do neuro, you can do ortho, mash those together and your style of treating does change, but I, I like it. Um, I, I like how I, how I roll with people in, in more function first, thinking, okay, you need to do this. Um, and then I'll figure out the ortho stuff. Say, and that's a good thing about being the residency that I did have with Emory. Um, I was in clinic with ortho specialists or an ortho residents. And I was I was the neuro person, so we, we kind of bounced a lot of ideas off each other how we treated and how we would treat differently just because of the mindset that we're coming from. Um, but then it takes me to NABPT um, <laughs> in regards to uh, producing that. That was with um, my co-founder DeAndre, Dr. DeAndrea Bullock. Um, we were in class of '65. There were ten black or um, identifying as African American that were in that class. So from there, you know, we kind of looked up things. Where, where are the other black PTs? Where are the other black physios or, or how do we roll? Um, we already know the demographics of PT going into it, but it's just still shocking when you get into it. And then on our on our behalf, there were 10 of us in a class and we're like, wow, you know, was this, was this like on purpose? <laughs> Going, <laughs> did, did they know, you know, <laughs> did they know that they were accepting all of us? Um, and then from there, it was kind of like, all right, well, we know from being those one-offs in different places because of being some of the, 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 the smarter people that, are, that matriculated through our classes and just decided to go this direction. We were one-offs in there, but now we're like, okay, there's 10 of us. Make sure this was not a mistake. You know, make sure they show that, yes, we, we can be very talented. And I like to call us the talented 10. 
So, and, and we all made it out. We all passed our boards and we're all practicing in our own way around. Um, but from there, we just wanted to project that even further to amplify that, honestly, to know that there are so many different things that one, what was that thought process of going into class and seeing 10 of us? That was exciting to me. So I was like, okay, let's 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 figure out how to make sure this continues and, and it goes on. And it doesn't only happen in you know in the Emory setting where we went to school or even in Atlanta, Atlanta being, you know, a black mecca to its to its own right, right? Um and making sure that we can amplify that in various places. Um and then from there, we understand what goes on in, in some pieces of the Black community that we all have, you know, kind of come from and what we've observed. And of course, for, for Deanna, Deandre and I, we want to just make sure we have a platform where other people can say, hey, this happened to me, this happened to me, or this is how we can work as a unit, as a community, as a collective to make change however we can in the scope of PT, not necessarily just only PT. Uh, so you, it seems like you always had this innate sense of community and team building and support, uh, because that's what you did with your classmates, the 10 of you, um, just, you know, holding each other, uh, together so that you all can move as a unit and no person left behind. So that's pretty much, is that the mission of NABPT? Yeah, I, I find it, we, we find it to be a movement. We find it to be a movement with, in the, definitely in the black community, but understanding that in our eyes, you know, the African diaspora is wide and large. So of course, you know, we, we have our Afro-Latino, we have, we have all that, that we have to make sure that we address. Um, and of course there's intersectionality that we have to compound with. So like gender, um, how you identify gender identities, you know, gender preference, um, not preference, but sexual orientation, all of that. So all of that intersectionality has to also be encompassed in anything, everything we do. Of course, you know, everybody does not think alike in that sense. Um, but for, I know in regards to us as co-founders, we are absolutely making sure that we kind of address you know, disabled, non-able-bodied people, all of it across the board, whatever affects the community. Um, but it's funny that you say, you know, we kind of stuck together. We actually didn't, we actually didn't chill together. It was just one of those unknown, like, you know, we just all know, we just all know, unconsciously we're like, all right, they didn't make this mistake. We're going to get out of here. <laughs> and we're going to look to, you know, we're going to look to see us as we continue to go on. Um, and then we'll go from there. And I think my community building type aspect or, or characteristic um, comes from, yeah, the, I guess my my African background. Um, I don't see us doing a lot of things by ourselves. Um, even when it comes to fellowship, it's it whenever I go back home, been home a lot more recently. Whenever I go back home, I'm excited. I'm not excited about seeing, you know, everything that Africa has to entail. I'm excited about seeing my family. And in that family, it's like, okay, all we're gonna do is sit on somebody's veranda or sit on somebody's beach or sit somewhere and we're just gonna talk and we're gonna understand uh background stories. Um, 
Sankofa, basically, and understanding how we can continue to move together. All right. And in that moving together, of course, you know, we all have strengths and weaknesses, but amplifying those strengths and figuring out how to diminish those weaknesses um, if it comes from another person doing the something that's that the other person's weak at. Um, and then just making sure that there's a lot of innovation with how we kind of move. You know, it's it's different being from there and then still being here in the United States. There's a lot of things I'm like, well, I can take that home or I can bring that from home. And I think the culture background is definitely what I bring from home. Uh, it's it's definitely, I, I, I personally feel like there's this stereotype or especially when it comes to like election time, this thing that all, all Hispanics are the same, you have to target them the same way or all blacks are the same. And as you said, there there's subtle differences in terms of like cultural uh, traditions and even religious and mm -hmm. people identify themselves uh, sexually. Mm -hmm. So has there been any pushback um, with you guys starting the NABPT and trying to spread it, that it's basically trying to isolate ourselves as black and brown clinicians when we should probably be teaming together with like the National Association APTA and trying to make sure we increase the diversity, equity, and inclusion in the national organization. So you're saying, so let me make sure I clarify, because I think I think um, I missed a little bit. You're saying in regards to why we're in ABBT, have, have we received any resistance or pushback? Yeah. Um, and on top of that, should we be working along with APTA? Yeah. Um, Hey, this is this is an honest <laughs> podcast. <laughs> right, Alex, it's an open and honest it's podcast. A, it right. does. It's, it's, it's going to be open. This, this I mean, I, we we understand. We understand you're a professor. We understand that you're a leader in the community. We understand that you need support from people in the National Association. Um, I also have to probably thread carefully because of certain positions that I'm in. So Alex is probably having a little bit of technical difficulty, so he will be back. Okay. And um, so trust me, I, I do understand. Um, but we want this to be a transparent as possible podcast. Right. And right. That's a platform that we're trying to create. Um, we don't want to just tell people stuff about rehab, physical therapy. It's all aspects. Because as you said, you're trying to achieve work-life balance. So right, 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 right. right. I mean, in in reality, like transparency is always the way to go, right? Um, mm. I don't think we would even have created something if there was not resistance in the first place, right? Yeah. Um, and we also understand, yeah, I may workplaces, but honestly, for for the cause of of what we're trying to accomplish, I know I'll be okay. So I will always talk transparently. <laughs> um. And, and honestly, when, when you get into things like this, you always have to have the voice for change, not the voice for complacency, right? Yeah. Um, so in answering the question, yeah, absolutely, there is resistance. Um, there's also performative action that, to me, also looks like resistance. Um, 
then then in regards to like naming which time I've had resistance, I don't remember because I'm ignoring those things, right? I see it, I approach it, and then as as a unit, we figure out how we're going to move. And of course, we all move in different ways. Um, I'm a little bit lot more loud and feel like I have a little bit more uh, of of stability than, <laughs> than others, but I but I'm okay with that. I'm okay living in in that type of chaos. Um, with that being said, I think there's a number of things that have been done um, to show more performative action than action. Um, we have a lot of um, task force that we continue to talk instead of do. <laughs> uh, we, we also have, have setups where you can see like a legacy of somebody that has left um, and in this case, I'll just speak frankly in regards to Jeanette Meadows. Like, I don't understand why, why, you know, that wasn't a celebration for however long she had the minority affairs, you know? Um, why do we even still continue to call minority scholarship, minority scholarship? Why isn't one of the people that, you know, we see and have been trailblazers have been put into that situation or have have had a name a scholarship named after them like there's so many of course you know we always continue to have our linda woodruff uh lecture why hasn't she had a, a scholarship named after her already or even charlene porti we don't have to wait until people pass either to make sure we acknowledge who has been at the forefront of moving pt in a, in a certain direction right i'm gonna um, even throwing one dr sonora simpson yeah, I, I'm, I was coming with it. You know, I love auntie. You know, there, there are times we definitely haven't agreed, but I absolutely, she's still been at the forefront of, of a number of things that have put us in position as her, you know, her successors of what she's done. Right. Yep. So there's a number of things that I think that can be done and should be done instead of said we're going to do this or we're going to vote upon this like no there's there shouldn't have to be a vote about these certain things understood definitely um as dr van who said in her linda would reflect it's all about the hard work you know a lot of people see things but the heart doesn't really show it because as you said it's performative action um and you're gonna get resistance no matter what oh, because there are people opposed to it, thinking that you know we're trying to isolate ourselves, but it does give us, as black and brown therapists, a sense of community. Mm -hmm. uh, people who can truly empathize with what the struggles that we're going through, either at school, uh, taking the national board exams, and even practicing in the workplaces. Right. So I am glad that you guys founded it, and I pray that there will be continued success with it. Um, you are also in academia, right? Yes, undergrad. And I do do like guest lecture help with other PT schools, yes. Okay. Um, so what made you get into academia? Why not teach? You know, it's kind of it, just that simple. Why not teach? But I also saw... Um, in some type of way, you know, you always got to think about what your body can do in the future. 
um, how to make sure you, you keep your mind intact in regards to what's going on in the world or how, how are different generations um, coming out? How are they thinking? How are they processing things? And can you add to decrease a lot of the struggle or the pathways that they are trying to get into? And if I'm going to increase um, visibility of, of Black and Brown folk in, in PT, then there's a place that I need to be. And for me, I always think that place is, was in undergrad just because of the steps that I had to take to get into to PT in regards to following the plan. But, you know, there's, a, there's always something about um, when you hear about recruiting, right? There's, there's this recruitment piece that people say, oh, you know, they're, they're not enough qualified people. I'm like, all right, well, where are you going? <laughs> Where are you seeking these people with? Because I know, I know a lot of qualified people. Um, so there's there's that, and I think also in um, being in the undergrad academia, I find myself understanding that when we're already together. Right. If we're in and out in this, and I will specifically probably only teach undergrad and HBCUs. When okay. we're when we're together, there's a there is a lot of community, hence why even NABPT was formed, right? There's a lot of trauma-informed care that we have to do in regards to making sure that we are okay, we're cared for, we're supported, um, mm-hmm. we're empowered, we're amplified. And being in the HBCU, we also gotta remember, I like I said, I know a lot of qualified people. Going to Spelman, I'm like, yo, like, I, there's a pelvic floor, there's an OBGYN, like, I can just call him today. I got a, a you know, PMNR, I can just call him today, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, I don't get what you're talking about in regards to unqualified people. That's trash, right? Wait, I, you think it's just an excuse? Um, absolutely an excuse. But there have been reports, like, when people send in their resume, if there's, um, an African name or a name that would some mm-hmm. seem ethnic, mm-hmm. it's usually disregarded. Uh, also, if you attend a certain university, you said you specifically target to teach HBCUs. Right. Um, we don't tend to be at the top of the package when they're trying to select candidates. Mm-hmm. So we're already at a disadvantage. So that's why they would say, the reason is that they don't know any qualified people. I've also heard on the other end that we don't seek out to apply for, for these leadership roles or positions. Mm-hmm. And that's why they feel that it's there are no qualified, quote unquote, unquote, qualified people. You know, there's always layers to that, right? Yeah, I'll teach it at HBC because I came from one. I got out and why I'm like so founded in, in and grounded in who I am is because of HBCU. Right. Um, a lot of I know there's certain people that come out to the world and say, Oh, why'd you go to HBCU? You know, you know, that's not the real world. Well, let me tell you about real world. <laughs> real world can be very dramatic. And if you don't get grounded in who you are, where you come from, and how to move in those spaces. Then, then you're already, yes, you're already put at another disadvantage, right? But not to say that other people are not able to do that, but I think it, the impact of what HBCUs do uh, is, is pretty powerful. And you can also see that in numbers where people have a tendency to have higher paying jobs are people from HBCUs typically, if they're Black. Yeah. Um, 
So, so in that, you're like, okay, well, if I go back here, also tell those same people that I'm teaching, if you look to the right and left, and if we produce the most, you know, doctors in this and that, then why can't we do that in PT? All right. Then from there, you, you tell them also look at your classmates. Those said people that are not qualified for PT are absolutely becoming medical doctors, are absolutely becoming chiros, are absolutely becoming anything else that are in this doctor field. And why can't we make like that connection in healthcare? It doesn't have to be where we're chasing other people to do our healthcare. We can just be okay with ourselves because we are able to do whatever we're trying to put our mind to do, especially as a collective. And that's all well and good. But as we have been discussing in past episodes recently, mm. the return of investment for PT is probably one of the things that's keeping a lot of black and brown clinicians, well, students from pursuing a doctoral degree in physical therapy. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. But then it also looks into, all right, we, yeah, we do have the, the CMS cuts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I myself didn't get into six figures until probably like two years, two or three years ago, right? Um, but if we figure out how to do things differently, we're not going. We're not trying to do the same thing that that has continued over and over again. There's absolutely different ways of business, and in that, again, if like. Marketing referrals, that's that's something that takes money. Okay, if we already have a collective that's already doing stuff in different areas of not just PT, why was it why is it gonna cost me so much money to market to my homie to say, hey yo, just just send me patients and I and I got you. Same thing, cross referrals, cross nation with, with healthcare. Um, another thing is if we're gonna continue to look and value that, yeah, we shouldn't have um we shouldn't have cash paying things. Or we shouldn't we shouldn't treat in certain places. Well, outpatient companies have been making money for how long? A long time. A long time. A long time. But we're still sitting at the kitty table, according we, to Alex. We, we we still are. We still are. <laughs> but guess what? We don't have to. Tell us how. Tell us how we can get off the kitty table. <laughs> <laughs> well, even yourself, you made your own business. Right. Well, I had to. Yeah. Had to. yeah. Um, so even though I was an outpatient uh-huh. and I was making six figures, mm-hmm. um, I just felt that there was there, there was more to give. Um, so I I appreciated the conscious awakening that I had that I had to do one on one care mm-hmm. and fully devote my time to the patient. So as I shared with a patient who expressed to me yesterday that she doesn't think she could go back to the outpatient setting because she didn't feel like the therapist paid attention to her. They were mm-hmm. passing off to a tech. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt even though patients were getting positive outcomes, mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was giving them my all. Mm-hmm. When I'm in a home health visit, I can do that. Yeah. That time I'm there with them is for them. What I feel, I know I did. Right. So I can't say that, oh, I did four units and I only spent 15 minutes with the patient. Right, 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 right. Billing four units. So 
so here's the thing about treating, right? I think mm-hmm. everybody, like people aren't the same. I think people have different treating styles. Yeah. I'm definitely one of those patients, uh, uh, PTs that I cannot sit with one person. I can't. Okay. Yeah. It just can't. Just can't. In fact, if you want me to sit with this one person, you're absolutely going to have to be low level. Or you're okay. really going to have to make me think. All right. Now, in the, in saying that, I don't have patients that are like, oh, no, you didn't you didn't treat me right in this. You don't treat me right in this. I think it's more how you how you personally treat. What's your personality? What's your connection? How do you even have buy in the first place? So when people come out of the office and say, well, you know, um, I didn't I, I didn't think I got anything good. Out of it. But then how did you connect with that person in the first place? Because if I can't connect with you, you're not going to do anything that I tell you to do in the first place. So why do you think if if I were to say, oh, you know, try this, try this, I'm looking from here, I'm observing from here, um, and somebody else is right beside you, you, you think you're going to listen? No, you're not. So I think sometimes when we talk about, you know, what's valuable to, you know, each other in regards to treatment, I think we sometimes we need to take back and think, okay, yes, for Mo, yes, one-on-one care is your jam. For me, absolutely one-on-one care is not my jam because you're not going to get my all because I'm going to start getting distracted. I'm going to start working on other things. That's I for a fact, I'm going to. <laughs> that's, that's why you're near. <laughs> but, but in the places I am, and, and that's why I'm saying in regards to what I do, it is more outpatient ortho type based. When I, when I have my own clinic, typically I do have a 60-40 split. But I don't have my own clinic right now. I had to, you know, reframe some stuff and, and um, resign from one job going to the nut into the next. So in that is like, okay, let's build that up. I know what where where the dollar bills come from. It comes from workers' comp and NPI. I know that, right? So I'm like, okay, well, that's probably ortho is what I'm going to see for the most part. And or if they have a concussion or vestibular issues in in the PI world, cool. And I will drive that because that's that is one of the areas that I love treating. But even with them, I'm like, okay, if you sit here and I'm looking, we're looking at symptoms only. I don't need to be right beside you. <laughs> now, if you're a fall risk, absolutely, you know. But and if there's other things that I'm I'm worried about, if, if I'm looking for you know blood pressure, all that other good stuff, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be beside you. I'm, I'm gonna know that. But if if you're not that patient, I need to look from afar. I'm just gonna have to, and I will. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's what it's what works for you. Yeah. So I know Alex. Alex is a sport uh, trained physical therapist, but he's now currently doing home health as well. So. Yeah, I mean, you bridge you bridge the gaps, and and you you have that ability to kind of put your own little spin on it and kind of do what works for you. I, I'm kind of like you, Remy, where it, it is very difficult at times for me to to focus on that one on one because my mind starts to, to go in, in, in different places as to what I need to do, not only with this patient, but maybe the following patient and just things of that nature. So yeah, but that could be just more the, the ortho sports side of it that's always got you kind of looking ahead mm-hmm. um, as opposed to focusing with what you've got in front mm-hmm. of you at that particular time. Now, you, you mentioned obviously from your, your cultural background in Africa, your community, the sense of community and, and moving together as one or trying to move together as one uh, because you have much bigger impact. You have a much bigger wavelength as a as a unit than yeah, you yeah. do as an individual. 
what do you feel is a big obstacle for that though? Um, and, and the reason I ask is, you know, in, in several other podcasts that Mo and I watch, um, most recently the one, the pivot today with Kevin Hart, mm. he, he mentioned something where the ego gets in the way mm-hmm. of trying to move forward, right? Because some of us, not Mo and I, because Mo, the reason we don't have egos is why I feel like Mo and I work and why we, <laughs> we want to do these bigger things. And, and I know that we'll get there, uh, God willing. But yeah. it's true. The ego gets in the way. Right. And, and a lot of us, from the cultural standpoint, you know, Hispanic like myself, Blacks, you know, like a lot of times we get into this, like, competition like you can't eat more than i can't eat like i gotta win before you win like if i win you can't come with me like those kind of vibes and those kind of attitudes right have you experienced that and if so if not like how do you think that could potentially impact or be a hindrance to being able to move our profession right because we can't move forward if if everybody feels like it's a competition and you see it on social media, you see it where PTs are worried about the PT up the street and what they're doing and how I can do it differently. Instead of saying, Hey, you know what? You do this good. I do this good. Let's come together. Let's both eat. Because at the end of the day, I think the fact of the matter is we can all eat. We can all do what we do. And there's plenty more for others to join us. Right, right, right. Um, so first of all, it's kind of you, you kind of got to go into like how is how are we constructed in regards to um hierarchy of race and ethnicity? Like that's already built in from way back when. Whenever you were able to get you, you know a bit of a bit more white to an extent, it was looked at as all right you know, we're better than them now. We're better than black and brown now, all right? Um, so we got to remember that history first. And you don't think that a lot of things haven't gone away? That has not gone away. <laughs> You're talking about colorism. Yes, it's okay. not gone away. The, the the house Negro versus the field Negro. I mean, not even just not even just from that. Like, you, you think about Italians. When, is, when did they become white? It wasn't, it wasn't too long ago. Yep. You you got you got to remember those things, and you not thinking people start to observe that that is going to make a difference. It's going to make an impact on how they deal with each other. Absolutely, it's going to make a difference. First, and then first and foremost, we live in an individualistic uh, society here in the United States. It's so individualistic. It's not even a game. Why do we want to be at the the forefront of everything? Economics, all of that. Why do we call ourselves super superpowers? We're not. We're not. Why are we not? Because we're not able to move together at all. Like we are literally leave this country. They're like, I don't know what y'all are doing. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. All right. And, and then you can see it economically. Where are we going? We're heading in a recession right now. Again. 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 <laughs> I as a millennial have got hit twice. <laughs> <laughs> And 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 I and, and then to think about those things, right? You, you think about policies. You think about where we're going. We just restart. We keep reversing stuff. We keep reversing stuff. Things that make sure that one, 
the the damage that comes from the trauma that occurs in this state. Like, how are we, how dare we not able to, to sue any law enforcement anymore? Supreme Court, thank you. Roe versus Wake, Supreme Court, thank you. It's like, what are, what are we doing? You want to keep reversing things that why they're in place in the first place? We're going to have a problem. we not, not even going to have, we have a problem. We've had problems. We're just adding to those problems, right? And so if we continue to think that we can work in silos and get out of anything or even have a bubble to feel secure and not be as traumatized, because honestly, that's what we're asking for now, is let's, let's just not be as traumatized, please. <laughs> We've already gone through the traumatic. <laughs> we already have. Being born, we were traumatized. Um, I was reading today uh, in between uh, visits uh, that when, especially with black females, when mm -hmm. they ascend leadership um, ladders, mm -hmm. they tend not to pull other black women or black men up with mm -hmm. them. And the statistics show that. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that that is? Do you think that's going back to the individualistic nature that we have or they fear that um, people start thinking or oh, too many of them are getting in or do you think they just want to be the one? I, I definitely don't think they want to be the one. Okay. I, I, were you finished with the question though? Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. You could go yeah. ahead. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody wants to be the one. I think what has been taught over and over again is they only take one. I mean, because think about it. When I when I was saying there were 10 of us in the class, I'm like, oh, wow, did they really need to? You know, you know what I mean? So yeah. that, that's a, a perpetuating thing that's in, in your mind. Like, ah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Because you always know that some, you can be cut at the knees at any given moment. Because that also has been done, right? They only put one in there because... And, and I think statistically it shows like how many other people are around these people when we put only one in, in a, into a situation. And so in that, you make, you make sure that you're saying, all right, well, this is the only one we're going to allow. This one probably is uh, a person that has gotten to a space where they're as damaged as they can be to not overshoot. And we're definitely not going to allow other people around them because then they become more powerful. Why? Because a collective moving together makes change. But if you're that one, Remy, do you feel any sort of responsibility to bring the rest with you? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I, I, I got the opportunity to open up a clinic. I didn't hire anybody but Black people. And, and an Asian cap. That's it. I even told my uh, one, one of the people that were in, I had a person, he interviewed, he was white. And I was like, yeah, you can work here, but um, you're not going to become a clinic director. So would, wouldn't that be considered reverse discrimination? No. No? <laughs> no. I call it equity. <laughs> Alex wants to laugh as well too, but no, I, I do, I do get your point. Um, so, well, because and, and, we need opportunities like that too. And, and the reason I ask is because I'm not familiar if you're, you know, into the sports or anything, but you hear it with Mike Tomlin, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? 
Mm-hmm. You hear it with Mike Tomlin. Mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin, very successful black coach. Mm-hmm. And some will look at him like, well, what are you doing right. to bring up the others? Yeah. How are you opening doors? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, he spoke on the pivot a bit to, to that. And it was yeah. just like, you know, I'm not necessarily looking at at cutters. I'm like, I'm just trying to set up men to be successful at this level and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But we have to know that we have to be able to give those opportunities. Right, right. You know, for those to, to even display or put on a showcase what their talents are. Right. So to a certain extent, you have to. You right. have to be able to try to bring those with you to say, hey, look, I'm going to put you right here give you a little chance to shine, let other people see you, even if it's not with me, Yeah, you know, yeah. let you shine. Yeah. But then again, to, to the point that, that Mo was making about the, the, the women and, you know, I, I still feel anecdotally that we don't like to see others come with us for whatever reason that is. It's that that scarcity mentality, like yo. If I get here, you ain't messing this up for me. Right, right, right. right? right like right. I'm gonna get mine, and and that's about it. Like you can't get too close to me. Because I, I think, you know? when, yeah, so, no, no, I definitely, I definitely agree with what you're saying. But I, I think I agree with the sentiment of of where you're going. Let me say that. Okay. Um, but again, it's 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 it is about the collective, and then on top of that, it is that thought that. We know that they're putting us against each other. Oh, man, we're going to get into that. <laughs> we're going to get into that. <laughs> they're literally playing, trying to play chess over here with, honestly, not even chess because it's more simplified. It's more chess with each other. I'm like, no, like, why are we doing this? Like, stop. But but I also know we've always been put in a position. We're always going to be in this position for, I, I know, for my lifetime in a position where we're always going to be at a disadvantage. You think about as a community, right? I'm not saying as a singular people that have privilege. No, because I know I have privilege in my own right, right? But we're going to put in a disadvantage is the fact that even economically, we are in 2016, there, there is a study saying what was the trajectory of, of economic background for, for the Black community. We're still in like the 20,000s. How? Hmm. And with so many, we said Mike Tomlin with you know putting men in the right position. Man, there's seventy percent of the NFL that's that's of black and brown people. So at some point in time, he's doing something, right? <laughs> so therefore, it's kind of like okay, he may not have him in in coaching position. I don't applaud that, but regardless, he's still making an impact to men that are black and brown, right? Then. And he's going into that direction of trying to do more now because you can see who he hired, right? So, so, so you go from there, and then again, he's not even an owner, so he can't make all of those rights, right? He's he can be a coach and he can ask for people. If the person that's doing well is a person that's on the field, yes, that is that is his domain. If they're not on that field, that is not his domain, and and we know that quite well, right? So, for Miami Dolphins, you got the owner, Brian was gone, right? I, we'll come back to that because you just it just struck something with the you know uh good god I can't forget his name right now but uh the one that was the one no. that was sacked that's now working for Tomlin exactly 
Okay. But the the if you read about the pivot, because you said like you know Mike Tomlin, he's in charge of the stuff on the field, mm-hmm. right? That's his domain. Anything mm-hmm. above that, we know typically that's not the case. However, he said uh, on the pivot that the particular situation with Brian Flores, just name just came back to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he went up to 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 the owner to Rooney, mm-hmm. right? And and we all know that the Rooneys in football are yeah are, are a special yeah family, right? Like they yeah. are not the norm in in football. But he said, "Hey, I just went into his office and said I want to do Brian Flores," and Rooney was just like, "Do what you got to do." Mm-hmm. But right? but Alex, to that point. The only reason he felt so comfortable doing that and the owner felt that they could trust him is because he's proven himself. No, exactly. Again. Absolutely. So when we but, do get into those positions, we have to keep proving ourselves over and over and over again. But yeah. but it takes but it takes to Remy's point mm-hmm. is it takes a special individual on the other side of that to acknowledge to say we need allies. Hey, allies. Mike Tomlin, man, this man's won Super Bowls. We haven't had a losing season. So we've they've built that rapport to say, if he's asking me for something, well, damn, I'm going to try to give it to him. Yeah. Right? But anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But I, but I, but I also think it wasn't the time to not give it to him either. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you start thinking about perspectives, and you start thinking, okay, oh, Miami – we already looking at NFL. We, do we do we want another case with this NFL business, right? Because I also think players are in a different position of what they they had even when Colin Kaepernick was doing um, was kneeling, right? I think they do feel more powerful just because of what's happened past twenty twenty, right? So they understand that they have more power. I'm sure Mike Tomlin feels like he has a little bit more power. And honestly, with the Brian Flores thing to to go up to Rooney, I mean, we have a whole Rooney rule. You are you really are you really gonna say no? <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, he, I would think highly no. <laughs> I don't that, think that, I don't think that, that's what the fuck you want. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, again, the Rooney rule is in place because of the type of people that the mm-hmm. Rooneys are, and mm-hmm. they've been very supportive of people like Mike Tomlin and, and, and all that stuff as well. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's a difficult situation. I mean, we see it in PT. Uh, we've talked about it on, on our past episodes where we're a small percentage of the whole, right? Right. We're a small percentage of the whole. So I, I think that the, the big take home thing is what you've been preaching is, is that collective, yeah. like we need to come together to be able to move forward, to be able to do something together and powerful as as a group, as opposed to just isolated. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, we have a tendency to work in silos, bro. Like that, that's the thing. Like, I mean, are we trying to get over that? Yes. Um, and I think that's something even with NABBT is like, okay, you know, do do your thing. Like that's why we have chapters. Do your thing. All right. Whatever you're actually doing, if you need more of it, 
and that you don't want to formalize something in regards to, you know, Secretary of State. I mean, all of that business in each state is actually very cumbersome. So, <laughs> so if you don't want that, yeah, just, just hop on a platform, tag it so other people can see it. You say we're at a position where we're making movement. We're only making movement because we're saying, okay, what do you, what do you want to put up? What do you have? What do you think? Right? Um, and, and I think we're empowering more students or future leaders, and I think they're leaders now, but future leaders to some, we're empowering them to do a lot more work because it's like, we can't, we can't, we're not going to sit here. We're not going to be in these places all the time. And we've gotten our stuff. And that's a, that's a little bit of a collective too. Legacy and, and moving on and moving in, in a space where you're able to give that advice and allow them to do, that's when you see different stuff happen. That's when you see innovation happen. Don't write wrongs or whatever. You just you allow them to be their authentic selves. Well, I, I'm rubbing my hands because I'm going to be asking some very tough questions uh, to get your opinions now. Mm -hmm. So we talk about the numbers already low for Hispanic and um, Black therapists, mm -hmm. students. Mm -hmm. um, we only have a very limited number of HBCUs that offer PT programs. Mm -hmm. And of late, those HBCU DPT programs aren't really occupied primarily by people like Alex and me and you. Mm -hmm. So it's already competitive to get into PT school. Mm -hmm. And if you're not allowing the HBCUs to be filled with people like us, how are the numbers expected to increase? And as an educator, how do you feel about that? <laughs> so, you know, DPT for graduate school programs are really interesting, but I also think that, that one, I'm trying to remember if this happened, at least three of those schools Howard is one, my alma mater. Right. You know, at least three of those schools are have partner directors that are white. Ooh. Then you start. Then you start to think of, I what what's already the the language that's used to perpetuate the continued barriers to everybody else. Oh, like you know, we don't we don't have a tendency to do well in these positions, right? Um, then, then we start to think about what are those barriers anyway, and, and are we more likely to go into HBCU for your DPT program? Um, who are the faculty that are being, uh, hired at these, at these positions too? Do we even, in, in another thing in regards to like faculty, do we even like nurture that in PT school? We don't. We don't nurture business in PT school. We don't nurture, okay, let's go into research in PT school. We don't nurture, okay, let's go into education in PT school. We don't. But from, in regards to the schools, it's like, we're still trying to perpetuate the same nonsense that we keep sitting in certain rooms and hearing. We're not qualified. We're not passing the test. We're not doing this. But for the most part, if you're in a school, and especially in a graduate school program, you're not there to fill out those students if it's this professional degree. I can understand that PH situation because you do have a lot of chances to get to get things done. 
and it does take a, uh, a length of time. You can be there for a long time before you get your PhD before then rather than in your professional degree, you got to get out in those three or two and a half years, right? So with that, what has actually happened in remediation? Are we allowing all of those, all, all, all of the trauma that's being already done to a person while they're trying to go through remediation? What's happening there? What are the, the things that are happening in clinical education as well? What's going on there? Because I've had students being failed just because of, of tone being used. I'm like, okay, do you just not understand the tone that's being used? I don't, I'm, I'm so confused. And if it's a consistent tone, I don't think they're being disrespectful, homie. So it's like, <laughs> you, you, you got to deal with that, right? Especially if there's different uh, power dynamics. And I think people like to prove certain things in certain cases, especially if they don't get along with them. I think sometimes PTs are, are in a situation where they believe we got to be friends with everybody. No, we don't have to be friends with everybody. No. Yep. Uh, it, it it has been quite interesting seeing that. Um, I know uh, University of Maryland Eastern Shore is historically Black, but their DPT program, and it's a state school. Mm -hmm. So if there's a Hispanic or Black student wanting to get into the program because of course, that's already a challenge if... Um, the numbers are dwindling for us in acceptance and recruitment and the acceptance criteria is another barrier too that's limiting us. Um, so, <clears throat> so definitely it's, it's been something that is making me scratch my head um, for a while. <laughs> but I mean um, you brought up a very interesting point about the direct, the, directors, the chairperson for those programs being of, you know, Caucasian uh, ethnicity. So that's, that's interesting. Uh, and, and another thing in regards to trying to make up. So I think sometimes, you know, people that are in those programs positions and they hear the, the reasons why they're not, you know, saying accredited and so on and so forth for one, um, the resources, and, and, and this is also towards the Black community too, is like, do we value certain professions, right? I don't think we do, one, because the, the return, of, return of investment is definitely one of them. Also, how how PT as, as a profession, we've done ourselves disjustice in regards to how we present to the world who we are. I, I, I think we... All of us in, in some sort of way, in our profession in this way, and I'm generalizing to the umpteenth degree, in regards to we have an inferiority complex. Like, why? Like, if we don't get a referral, like we're saying, okay, well, we don't we don't know what we're we we do not know what we're doing. <laughs> what? You went through all that school? You you went through differential diagnosis, you went through, I mean, like seriously, you went through all these clinical finding tests. And you saying you don't know what you're doing? No. How about you just understand what's going on and you refer back if it's not in your scope of practice? That's the language that you should start using. Because yes, people are going to treat you like trash if that's the case. And if you don't even talk up yourself, it's like, you know, sometimes people say, oh, you know, I'm just a PT. No, nah, you're, you're a PT. I'm a, you know, just call it what it is. I'm a physio, I'm a physical therapist. Call it what it is. 
Yeah, um, don't, don't minimize, don't minimize. Your, yeah, uh, don't minimize what you do because if you're not moving, who do you think you're going to go to? Who's the first person you're going to go to? You're going to go to a physio. Exactly. So, got to get out of that kitty mentality. Yeah. Yes. So, there's that. Um, <laughs> so, and then, of course, in regards to where money goes, mm-hmm. you don't see as much money going to those HBCUs in regards to resources and then being able to hire people that are able to come back and teach. And, of course, we want our, you know, we, we want our, our, our own people to come back and teach. But then if you don't create those pathways while they're in school, or even create those opportunities where they can be GAs or TAs and whatnot, who do you think is going to come back and teach? Then if you don't have that research that's founded on those certain places to get grants, to get more resources on top of that, who do you think is going to be able to run like different programs? You're not. So only common sense says, okay, well, if they're under-resourced, what happens? If if the Black community is under-resourced, the Hispanic Latinx community is under-resourced, what has happened? They won't come back. <clears throat> or we won't come back. Or we won't come back. Or we can't come back. <laughs> or you know, or we're just not gonna do well in, in trying to get there, right? Okay. So think something I always preach is you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot take society out of people's careers. And we've seen it. Yep. There's even a motion right now from Arkansas. Saying we should stick to just PT. Yes, I I have been well. I am a district delegate from Maryland, mm-hmm. so I have seen that motion. Um, it was also a heated conversation that I had in January with some other therapists as well. That you know you shouldn't be using the. House of Delegate floor to discuss social issues, but we are treating people in society as black and brown therapists. We are members of society. And if the issues that affect us or cause us stress and trauma aren't discussed, I don't think our work will be done well. So that's just my personal opinion. Um, and to trivialize, um, the things that we go through saying it doesn't have anything to do with physical therapy. If we can't operate at our best, how can we give our best to patients? And we're just going to keep bringing down the profession if we're doing mediocre average stuff. Absolutely. Honestly, as a professional, we're going to look like idiots if this passes. There's, you know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's, that's honest truth, right? Well, there's one year we're going to say, oh, we're going to be an anti-racist society, right? You know, and then the next thing we're going to be like, oh, we don't really care. <laughs> um, well, the thing is, if, if things aren't as open as they were uh, the last HOD, I think we might be surprised about the, you know, during the 2016 campaign, you heard about the silent, major- silent majority. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think that exists in physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why you and I and others see a lot of performative um, actions mm-hmm. or behaviors from others that we associate with. So um, let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping it, it doesn't pass. Um, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I will not be surprised if it does. Let me just say that. <laughs> I will not be surprised. And let me let me also go on to say it's 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 kind of like you wonder why there are organizations that pop up like this. You know, you wonder why you're like, okay, well, if 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 we have a mission statement that actually says something about transforming society, but then we say we're going to ignore society, okay. So you're not about the mission either. If we allow this, right? If you're a part of this organization, you're, you're saying, okay, no, screw society. It's it's just about PT. And if it's if something, if we're going off what we learn in school, the IFC model, how how do we say we're doing our full job as physios if we're only sticking to PT? Because I think PT encompasses social issues. It does. It does, but money talks. Money does talk, but what what is that money? If you're not, you know, you're not getting well. Your well, let, let's let's be let's be real, okay? Um, who are the biggest sponsors for our association? Who usually bring in the most members? It's the bigger companies, right? It's the bigger companies. And what do the bigger companies care about? Oh yeah, they care about money, right? Okay, they care about. But the thing is, it's like okay, if you're always telling us. And still charge, charge to big companies too. If you're sitting here and you're telling me that some of the, some of the missions of these big companies are mm-hmm. not also about society or are also not about people, then are you a company that's that's trying to treat people? And I and I understand business absolutely. It's, business is, is is a thing. I I enjoy money myself, but <laughs> but but I also know like. If I'm still about my people and my collective, absolutely, I need to be about the everybody that I can I can see, hear, everything. I I I totally get it, but you know, um, we shall see. Um, <laughs> I I I have I I want to have faith in my colleagues that. Mm. This motion would not pass. Um, but again, a lot of people don't truly speak out truly about their intentions. And we've seen the back and forth discussions on other issues on social media, and especially Twitter, with the Supreme Court decisions during the elections. Um, but I, I remain hopeful. I'm optimistic that people really do care about other people and not just themselves. So that's that's why I'm going to stay optimistic. But how can one become a member of the NABPT? Mom's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, we're not that. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy about your optimism. I'm I, 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 I'm I'm just trying. I'm trying to remain as optimistic as possible in life. Yes. Um, it's less stress. Yes. Thank you, uh, Dr. Mitchell, um, for bringing the mindful practice in. <laughs> <laughs> so. Hey, in fact, in fact, you know, like, we got to shout her out in regards to every what, second and fourth uh, Mondays. Monday. Yeah, yep. Mondays. Yeah. Yep. Check, check them out, students. 
checking my yeah. students every third Monday, checking my clinicians. Uh, definitely, definitely check those things out because mindful, mindful monies are much needed. Yeah. After our, in our profession from, for all reasons, right? But uh-huh. um, I am going to say to end with, I'm more of a realist <laughs> than I am an optimist. That's number one. But number two, in regards to becoming a member, um, go on to www.nabpt.org. Um, go to membership tag and you will see how to become a member. If you want to create a chapter as well, you can also go on there and see how we create local chapters. Um, if there's not one there, there may be one that's trying to be developed or in development and of course if that is the case you know you can just reach out by email at info.nabpt at gmail.com um and honestly just continue to follow us on on instagram i know we're more heavy on instagram which is nabpt underscore twitter same thing and same thing on uh facebook as far as national association of black physical therapists in linkedin okay good so there's a membership fee Yes, there is a membership fee for clinicians or people that have graduated with a degree in in PT or PTA. Um, it's a hundred dollars. If you're a student, prospective and PT or PTA is fifty dollars, and if you're a prospective student, it's twenty five dollars. And we really, really want to get more um, of all, actually, but of the in regards to organizations, about maybe six hundred and fifty now. Um, and it's and it's a pretty good split from 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 all angles. So, okay. And for companies, is there any way to like sponsor students or prospective students to become a member? Absolutely. So if you know the name of the student or the clinician, or even just want your your people that are within your company to be members, there's actually two things that you can do. You can either send in their names and then pay the pay the membership fee. Um, and tell us how many members that, that you're paying for, or you can, can become an institutional membership member, which Colorado is and Hampton is on their way. And that's $1,000, which every year, that's just repeating everybody within your organization can become a member and have the benefits. So, and look out for more of our scholarships that are coming in October for PT month. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Um, so, um, Alex is back. Um, so we were just, um, he, yes, he's been having some technical difficulties as we've been saying, work and life balance. Um, so all three of us are pretty busy individuals. Uh, I just wrapped up patient care about 15 minutes before this podcast started. <laughs> so, um, we really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Um, and I enjoyed the discussion. You know there's be more heated um off air banter yes <laughs> that, that we'll have um are you gonna be in dc um next month for hod no i'm not i'm not gonna be there i think i'm gonna keep my stress levels to a minimum for next month <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but I am gonna charge my my delegates that are in Georgia to you know let's 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 we're starting to write let's just say that we're starting to write we're starting to write okay yeah well I, I mean I I do hope it goes well um I'll be attending the virtual session but 
would not be able to attend uh, the in-person one for um, medical reasons. But um, I do hope that motion gets shut down um, before it gets any traction. Yes. So uh, thank you again for being on the show. Alex, I hope everything goes well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And I, I do apologize for that. Um, obviously not how I uh, normally handle business on the show, but such as life it, and, it, it and happens, things happen. Yeah. Uh, but do thank you very much uh, for taking the time to be with us. Obviously some, some good conversation, uh, a lot of, a lot of words of wisdom and, and, and action and action. Cause I think ultimately that's what we need more of is just more acting. Um, as you mentioned, more collaborating and, and just moving as a community to, to do the things that we know that once we put our minds to that, you know, we can definitely accomplish. So, uh, thank you. Keep up the great work, man. It's real awesome what you're doing and, and what you got going on there. So, uh, as always, if there's anything that we can do to help, uh, you guys, please don't hesitate to reach out to Mo or myself, um, because we we're here to, to help support. Um, and like I said, we can all eat, we can all eat. There's enough for all of us to, to get a little bit of the pie. So whatever we can do to help, we're definitely going to do that. Absolutely. No, I appreciate it. And just shout out to all, all of NABBT and the chapters and the rest of the board. Um, I can't do anything without you all. So I always appreciate you all. All right. And to everybody else, thank you very much for joining in. Uh, as always, subscribe, follow, comment. We really, really appreciate all the support from everybody. Um, Mo and I are having a great time doing this and, and, and hopefully everybody else is enjoying uh, the work that we're putting out there. Uh, so yeah, thank okay. you again. Uh, and everybody have a good evening. All right. Peace, y'all. Peace. <laughs>